Welcome to the Crunch Bunch Podcast. I'm your host, Al, the Professor Maynard. The Crunch Bunch is a production of Uncommon Media and powered by Goss Dodge Chrysler Ram Jeep on Shelburne Road, South Burlington, Vermont, the number one Ram dealer in New England. Check out their selection today, in person or online, and tell them the Crunch Bunch sent you. We're coming to you with an in-person interview, which we don't always get to do nowadays, and we're coming from the Tea Time Driving Range here in Williamstown, Vermont. Tea Time Driving Range is a sponsor of our guest today, and we're delighted to be here and thankful for the space and time. It actually doubles as um, the camp where people hang out. Um, We might be enjoying a beverage while we're here, and if you hear birds in the background, it's because we're outdoors. And we're enjoying ourselves in this uh, pretty awesome space here. If you haven't been out here to tea time, come on out um, and enjoy the the great views and the even better people. Uh, It's not our plan to have a long intro before getting into the interview portion, but uh, this is the first episode, so it makes sense for all of you to kind of know how this thing was born. Uh, The guys from Uncommon Deeds podcast, Tom Corbett and Justin St. Louis, came to me and said, what do you think about having a podcast about street stocks? And I said yes before they could finish the sentence. And so um, if you'd like to hear more about how crazy this adventure is in its uh, inception and how it came to be, uh, go check out episode 20 on Uncommon Deeds podcast. While you're there, enjoy the rest of the amazing conversations our friends Tom and Justin have put together for you. So by way of introduction... Uh, Since it is the first episode, I am Al the Professor Maynard. The professor comes from the fact that I am a professor at the University of Vermont. And uh, NASCAR Hall of Famer Ken Squire gave me the nickname, as he does with many other drivers over the years. So I'm fortunate to have that connection to him. So for Tommy Thundersmith, he is a champion street stock driver, a legend at Thunder Road with an incredible 34 feature wins. That's more than Phil Scott, Joey LeCare, and every other legendary driver that dared to take on the Turn 4 Widowmaker on Quarry Hill. So, of course, you had to be our first guest. So, welcome, Thunder. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Of course. Anything new and interesting going on, especially in these post-COVID times? Uh, At least we're getting back to normal. That's the main thing. Yeah. Well, part of that normal is being back at the racetrack. I know last year was a little bit different, right? How yeah. would you compare like last year to this year as far as how the racing feels and stuff like that? You know, it, it feels really good to have the fans back. That's the main thing. Yeah, I can imagine <clears throat> having fewer people there, even watching different things on TV. It just kind of wasn't the same. And having been like, so I coach basketball as well, and just not having parents and fans and stuff and. And the stands is really strange, so it does feel back to normal. And I was just at the races this past week, and uh, for the um, for the memorial race for our friend, um, I'm sorry, um, Marvin Johnson, yes. right? So the Marvin yes. Johnson Memorial Race, which is my favorite race of the year. We both raced against him, and yes. having never won, um, he uh, he's kind of near and dear to our hearts. And he died suddenly, and so that's always a cool race because someone gets their first victory. So um, that's another nice thing that that Thunder Road does. Um, so yeah, I'm glad you're doing well. Uh, now when we met, and I say met cause you know, we are acquaintances, but I've always wanted your perspective on the time that we met and I'm using quotation fingers because you can't see us cause this is a podcast, <laughs> but it wasn't cordial as I recall. Um, there was a dust up on the track and after that things in the pits unraveled pretty quickly. 
Um, and I've been telling this story for years, but I would wonder how you would tell it from your perspective. Well, it was quite interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fair. Um, I recall coming out of two and getting the bumper and spun out. We both got, I was actually leading the race, and we both got sent to the rear. And I'm pounding on your bat bumper for a few lots. <laughs> and then we, the race is over, we go down pit, pit road, still pounding on your bat bumper. And I'll never forget going to your trailer, having some words with you, and uh, Eddie standing in by your race car holding a jack handle. <laughs> <laughs> and uh it was it was funny and heck because as i still went into your trailer eddie throws the jack handle down and goes out the side door and it seems like after that we all pretty much put that behind us and i think that's why we're good friends now it's funny because i i have almost the same recollection but i wonder have you talked to melissa about her perspective on this because she's the first person that i uh engaged with we'll say when i came off the track yes yeah my wife seems to get a little hot-headed sometimes and uh and i mean she'd get mad at people if they just touched me on the track so i had to talk to her to calm her down because she would be always yelling at somebody and it could have been my fault you know and i said you gotta wait and see what goes on on the uh, when i get in there you know and uh but, yeah, I do recall she was pretty hot at you that night. <laughs> <laughs> I, my recollection, and over time these things always, you know, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. But what I remember is, like, she was literally trying to pull me out through the freaking <laughs> window. And the net was still up. I was like, oh, my God, who's this? Because I really didn't know you all very well at all at that time. I mean, it's pretty early on for me. Yeah. And, uh I definitely spun you. I didn't do it on purpose, and I would be mad too. So all that, yeah. I think, is what happens in racing. Yes. The other piece that I remember that, that you're leaving out that I might remember is, like, I knew early on, though, that I wanted to talk to drivers. Because, like you said, we have a different perspective than maybe people that are watching. Yes. And I feel like that's really important, and I think crew's getting away sometimes of that stuff. Um, yep. At the same time, that's the passion that, like, makes racing exciting and fun right that's why people come out so um i always wondered about the balance of that and um i know that our track at thunder road doesn't condone fights um like some do uh but i think it's for the right reasons um but i do remember eddie standing there with a jack handle ready to you know take on your facial integrity (laughs) with that thing if you needed to i knew it wouldn't get to that but i at that point like even eddie and i we were pretty i I always knew him as a pretty chill dude yeah but i i had never seen him turn around and run to the jack and pull the handle off and be ready to whack someone so i was like okay two things first of all i'm glad to have him in my corner (laughs) second of all i did not know this about him but um but I think you're right. I think sometimes when you have dust-ups, like, those are where your best friendships come from. Yep. But it's, does anybody else kind of come to mind as far as, like, having dust-ups that, like, built into something that was obviously the opposite and better? I've had a few run-ins. Jamie Davis and mm-hmm. I got into a pretty good one. Um, it didn't come down to, like, you and I for the big argument. It would have if he was at his trailer, but he wasn't there. Um, I was leading the 50-lapper and going into three and just playing on the last lap just got dumped and then i got hammered by the other cars Mm. and believe me i was mad Mm. i was probably more mad with that situation than i was with you 
and then I went to the trailer and I blew it all out of proportion. You know, Dean came and had a talk with us and said, you know, you two are champions here. You need to act like it. And, you know, but yeah, Jamie was probably the second one I got really mad at. That seems fair. So, yeah. <laughs> These things happen, right? They do. They do. <clears throat> well, yeah. I'm glad it was hard for you to think of somebody else that was like memorable because you know i feel like we've always had an, an odd connection and both we're on mustangs and stuff and we're always kind of like about the same speed give or take and yep. you know we're always kind of racing around each other and then when you have other drivers that are in championship contention you just inevitably are always going for the same space yes you know within like a six or seven people they're just going for the same spot all the time so yep. it's just kind of inevitable that it happens so yeah no i've always enjoyed racing with you mm-hmm. it's like that the last last you're part of your last career. We really turned it up when you finished second to me in points. Not to rub it in, but you know, too late. Was, you already did. But, yeah, right. um, we're there. <laughs> we we had you and I and Donnie H really had some really good races. Yeah, and um, that was side by side races. Nowadays, you really you touch a kid up there now is they're right at your trailer yelling. You know, hmm. rubbing. They they don't get the rubbins racing. You know, hmm. but no. Yeah, I. I always wonder what kind of gets people to that point, and there's a lot of factors probably. Like for me, it always seems like the crew, just like we were just talking about, yeah. right, lathers people up, and you know, passions are high, and that's good. It's good for the sport. It's good for the product. Uh, at the same time, I think sometimes it leads people down this this bad road. It doesn't need to be that way, right? right. It can, we can find common ground here somewhere. So Yeah. yeah. So. We'll talk a lot about racing. I, I'm glad that we had a similar perspective on that first piece. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about racing, but, um, you know, I think part of why we want to do this podcast is to get to know people a little bit better. And yeah. Know what else they do and what other identities they have, because really just kind of like race car driver is a cool one. Yep. Lots of people like that, and I think it's interesting, but there's a lot of other things that make us who we are. So other than being like a driver of a Ford Mustang at Thunder Road, um, you know, what do you do for work or in your spare time or what other things you got going on in your life? Um, I drive a truck, uh, ice truck for Lucky Day Ice. That's what I do during the week and weekends is hang out at camp and with the wife and good friends and and work on the race cars on Sundays. That's basically my life. <laughs> Sounds like it's like a pretty solid Vermont life. Like I wouldn't figure if people think back on stuff like that. And you've been doing it for a really long time, so Yes. You know, you must there must be something about it that you really enjoy. What um how long have you been racing? I think it's gonna be about twenty five years. Wow. Yeah. Twenty five, twenty six years. And has it always been pretty steady, like full seasons, full grind all yep. the way through? Yeah. I I I believe I've only missed until last year. Last year I missed half the season because we I drove a Tiger for somebody. Just it just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. But I think before that I've only missed two races since I started racing. That's yeah. amazing. I don't know. I don't know how many people can say that other than maybe like Joey LaCare or something like for right? a big stretch yep. and just be like, we just yep. made up so many races. And then when you listen to the Uncommon Deeds podcast with Tom and Justin, you, you realize the grind that some of these guys did like yep. five, six, seven days a week. Can you yeah. imagine turning cars around, driving four or five hours one way? Like yeah. it's pretty nuts to even think about. So I appreciate you sharing a little bit more about the other things you do in life. And yeah. you know, my, what I find a lot of times is that you know, drivers are drivers, and there's something about it. It's a special breed. Like, it's what you do. It's one of the main identities that you have. So I like to go back, too. It's like, what's the first thing? It doesn't have to be a race car. What's the first thing you remember driving? 
I remember when I was probably 13, 14 years old, my dad let me drive our Honda. We had a little Honda, and I used to drive it on the back roads. I used to sit on his lap and drive, and that was one of the first vehicles, and then started driving tractors around the fields and stuff, and then I uh, will never forget, as soon as I turned 18, I wanted to race. And so I don't know if you remember him, uh, Norm Shalou. The, I know the name, but uh, the I The Hurricane, the Norm Shalou. And we used to bowl against each other at Twin State Lanes. And he told me, he says, the best thing for you to do if you want to get in the race is go out, grab a car, roll it over. <laughs> well, that wasn't my intentions. Well, a week after I got my driver's license, I had my mother's car and I rolled it over. <laughs> Down over the bank mitt and... Yeah. Well, if nothing else, you can follow directions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, it didn't bother me. So, I mean, Norm says, you're good. Go ahead, race. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, that's cool. I still remember the same kind of thing, like riding on your dad's lap and kind of learning learning that stuff and um, and driving tractors and stuff like that. So yep. the other reason to do these things is you might find more connections than even you knew before. So I think it's pretty cool. So... So that's you driving something, right, and rolling yep. things over. Rolling things over. <laughs> so how'd you actually get into racing itself? What did that look like? Well, when I was a kid, of course, went to the races with my dad, and we sat there and watched. Thunder Road? Or at Thunder you? Road. That's yep. the only place we've ever been. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I said, I want to be out there. And he says, well, that'd be nice, you know. I don't think he believed that I was going to go out there. And so I turned... 18 and we started building a car and my dad has only seen me race once before he passed Hmm. which was decent um but that's how i got started by going to the races with my dad and i just knew that's something i wanted to do so did you go to like any other tracks as a spectator or anything like that that kind of wet your whistle or being the berry boy you're just like i'm just here i am just always on the road that's so cool yeah you ever think about trying to like run other tracks, or did you? Because there was a Triple Crown series back in the day. There were some other tracks. Yeah, you could I run. I did run. I, I ran White Mountain, mm-hmm. and I ran Riverside. Mm-hmm. But I love Thunder Road. Yeah. It's just that's my place. Why is that? What's what makes Thunder Road special? Because you've heard NASCAR guys talk about it. Whether it's Tony Stewart talking about how his back door clamped shut when he saw <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah. the Widowmaker for the first time, and it, how it comes at you, or Clint Boyer like trying to root yeah. on the bottom, not knowing the top back then before the right. pave. That's how you did it. Yeah, and like all these guys just can't figure this tricky place out. That's got to be part of it. But like, what's the piece for you that makes Thunder Road the place? Not just because you were born here, and that's what you right. checked out all the time, but. It's hard to describe. It's just, I don't know. It's just magical to me. I mm. love that place. It's just, I I get there and still today, just talk about it, I get goosebumps. I just. Well, that's kind of what it's all about. It, it is. keeps a guy going for a quarter of a century. Yes. I don't mean to make you feel older. Well, anymore, yeah. yeah. Holy. I mean, yeah. you already did kind of like rub in that you beat me in the championship <laughs> by one point, so I figured I'd call you old at least once. Yeah. Um, yeah. We both have plenty of gray hairs to shoot for our <laughs> age. There's no doubt about that, for sure. Um, so, it's funny, though. Like, everyone, you're Tommy Smith, but no one calls you that. You're Thunder. Everyone knows you as Thunder. Yep. I still don't know how the heck you got that nickname. Well, do you remember the bar of legends that uh, Phil Scott owned and Dave Moody? No. Well, they did. They owned uh, a bar down in um, Montpelier. So Melissa and I, we used to play pool a lot. 
So we went down to Legends and we played pool. Well, they used to have this race car game down there. And, of course, Dave Moody and I started racing against each other. And that's thing I know Dave Moody's calling me Tommy Thunder. <laughs> and that's how Thunder began. Hmm. So so video games. Yep. Have you been like a big video gamer? Or was it just kind of like, eh, we're in a bar and there is one, so we might as well do that? Yeah, well, <laughs> they kind of had like these little challenges. You know, because Legends was race car drivers yeah. from Thunder Road. Everybody went there. Yeah. So it was pretty much like... Everybody raced on that game to see who was better there, you know, and and that's I just started playing that and against Dave Moody and and that's where it came from. Well, who's the best driver you ever beat at that game? Got to be someone with obviously you have more wins than anybody on the planet, but like if you <laughs> did you like take down a Phil Scott who was the owner and probably at the time had more wins? Than Absolutely you. <laughs> no, I never played against him. Um, I only played it a few times because hmm. we're mostly there for the pool. But I'd, I'd race against Moody, and that was back and forth, you know. Billy Heron, I beat him on it. Um, I think that was about it. It's still pretty cool. And it so, is. <laughs> you think about that. And, you know, obviously full circle, Dave Moody, um, you know, called the street stocks the Crunch Bunch, and it yes. got started that way. And so yeah. that's obviously the, the root cause of the name for this yep. podcast. So we always have places to give him credit so um yeah. that's funny that kind of comes full circle as far as nicknames go it right does. because thunder and then it kind of stuck so how old give or take where you were then like and it stuck for that long um i think i raced maybe one year so i was in my 20s young yeah yeah i mean yeah. not for everybody that's probably listening but, but if it was for him maybe. to believe it or not if it wasn't for dave i probably wouldn't been still racing because it seemed like once he named me that thunder it was easier to get sponsors. Hmm. Uh, when I first started, we Melissa and I built our first race car, and um, five hundred dollars into it. You know back what then, we got yeah. in it now. You mm-hmm. know, and of course we didn't have a lot of money back then, and we ran what we could. We had fun. Always broke down all the time because built the cars outside in the in the snow, hmm. and you know never had a roof overhead um, for building race cars, and. Uh, it seemed like once he named me Thunder, it was the money got big. You know, it, I mean, not huge, but it was it was helping. Mm-hmm. We could build better cars and get good motors and stuff. Yeah. So I I owe Dave a lot for that nickname. That's I believe that's he helped me get where I am right now. Wow, that's awesome! I yeah. had no idea. Yeah, I had no idea about that. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, it's funny how many people, especially again when you listen to the other interviews that have been done, like. You know they got a they got a hand along the way from somebody, and it was generally unexpected, and it changed the trajectory of all the things. Like even yeah. us, you know, maybe I made contact with you and spun you out. That meant I must have been faster or dumber or what or all the above, right? Maybe on that one corner, <laughs> but like you know, it comes around to like now we're here, right? Yep. So I feel like that's why we want to tell these stories because there's so many little things like that that connect people yeah but i think telling these stories is what really connects more people right um whether it's driving on a back road with your old man and or on the tractor or any of that stuff right. like that describes my childhood yep. i think it's pretty cool yep. things i didn't know about you so yeah uh, what's your favorite racing memory oh take a minute because it's yeah, big right it is could be a one-time thing could be a like a goal being met it could be anything it's your best memory one of the, one of the memories that come back was um, Seamus Curley, Tom Curley's son. 
we were out in practice, and the rear end in our car blew out. Mm. So Seamus says, Thunder, over to the house, there's another rear end. Let's go get it. We'll put it in. So we put it in. I ended up beating him on the last lap with his own <laughs> rear end. <laughs> and uh, he was so mad at me. Oh, it was like... <laughs> He just, we got out of the cars, we shook hands and gave each other a hug because we were good friends. But you could just tell he was like, you son of a... <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, you know, over the years, we've shared parts between us and yes. amongst a bunch of people. And that's a kind of a street stock thing, it, you know. And I think it's not the same in all divisions. And certainly it's gotten probably worse, I think, by most people's accounts that, yep. you know, over time it's just... The competition's changed, folks, um, at different levels. But is it your sense that street stocks have stayed the same, or they started to slide, or at least at Thunder Road? How would you describe that? They're not like they were when we raced. Um, there's still a few out there that would help. But, I mean, I remember rolling a car, my race car over one night, and I got an ambulance ride. So we're in the pits, and the guy's checking my pulse, and I'm like, listen, i got to go. we got to go race. i got to fix the car. Well... So I look out the window of the ambulance, and there's 20-plus people working on my car. Hmm. Today, I don't think you see that. Hmm. Um, it's a different generation, you know. It's just you got people that will help a little bit, like the farmer. If he's got it, he'll help. Um, it's different. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. And I don't know, maybe, maybe we have an opportunity in telling these stories that, you know, help people understand – Especially the new folks, uh, especially if they have a lot of backing and a whole bunch of people around them that, you know, we can actually do some amazing stuff together that might be better than yep. if we try to do it separately. And, yep. you know, also as a coach, it's like together each achieves more. Like if we do it together, that, that team piece of it, even though you might not be real teammates, I think it could be something. So, you know, maybe in telling some of these older stories about how <laughs> it used to was, you know, yeah. maybe we get in a space where people think that um, – that can be a thing again, at least yep. at least at street stocks or something like yeah. that. So you know, it could be also that they just don't carry the parts. Mm. I mean, you remember Super Joe? I do. A van full of parts. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want something, you go see Super Joe. Every obscure bolt that ever came off. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> you and I Mustang. Yep, and you and I always helped each other with parts yeah. if we had them. But I, it, it very well could be nobody just brings the parts, or maybe mm. things are just so expensive now they don't want to help out. I don't know. Yeah. But it's 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 definitely not like it used to be. Well, at least you'd like to see like all hands on deck, you know. At yes. least people coming there and helping. That's how I remember it. And you know, maybe if something really bad happened, which we wouldn't hope for, yep. but you know, people would do that. I know. I know when I climbed the fence there, <clears throat> you know, a lot of people came to try to help. And that yes. was just. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping. I don't know. Maybe I'm naive, but I'm hoping that maybe those days aren't completely gone from us. Yeah, me too. So. So, like, your your best memory, I love that, by the way, because I feel like there's a lot of punchlines in beating someone with their own rear end or something. I yep. feel like maybe I can, I'm not clever enough to come up with something, but we'll leave that to Justin and Tom in post-production to come up with great, great rear end-based jokes, because I feel like there's a bunch there that we're leaving on the table. Yeah. Um, so, it that kind of leads into the next question. So, you have your best memory, but what, what would you consider your um, biggest accomplishment? Winning a championship, um, 
that was that was really meant a lot to me. Are you just trying to rub it in again? No, no. Okay, I mean, but yeah. <laughs> Seriously but, though, we couldn't do it. It's right. hard. It's a lot harder than people think it is. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was my biggest accomplishment was to win that championship, and that meant a lot. We destroyed our car. I be- I think that day you came in fourth in points, didn't you? I don't. I remember. mean, I know it was when like we started length. the race. Yeah. I believe you're fourth, and I wrecked. Bunker wrecked, and Gary Bashaw wrecked. Yeah, I podiumed. I don't know how you I did. podiumed. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how I did because us fast guys wrecked. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I feel yeah, I see. I see. But uh, I mean, yeah, that was. And then when we're all sitting there and it was close, nobody knew who won that. Yeah. And I went down and told you. I shook your hand for getting your podium, and I said you might have won the championship. I remember this. And yeah. then when Tina came over, it was like wow, yeah. It was like, we did it. <laughs> yeah. I remember seeing it in your face, and it's weird because at that point, like, we enjoyed each other's company, right? Right. And so, you know, you know, we had a lot of competition going on, and that was good. Um, and I was genuinely happy for you. As devastating as it is to not win something that you've been also working really hard right. for. Um, you know, honestly, between men, like, I was I was really happy for you. I was bummed. I feel like Eddie was... Right. <laughs> Eddie was probably at least as bummed because, you know... Yeah. You know, those guys on your crew, they put in so much work, yeah. too. Um, to come up that short is really devastating sometimes. But and like, yeah. I think what lit our fire, though, that, that uh, summer when we won the championship was the passing of Marvin. Hmm. Um, I'll never forget. We always talked on the phone. And hmm. uh, he called me every week, and we come up with some wicked ideas for his race car <laughs> and uh i told him i said Marvin, i think the following year i'm gonna go tiger and the words out of his mouth was before you go tiger you gotta win the championship made sense mm-hmm. you know so then marvin had his heart attack and then he had a stroke and he passed away mm-hmm. well i i i came on fire mm-hmm. you know that night i won then i got second then i beat you at mid-season championship and then i got second again mm-hmm and we were 85 points down going in with, against Donnie Yates, and we closed up, and we won it. So yeah. that's that That was pretty decent. That championship, I mean, the, the top seven were within, like, yes. just a handful of points. It was a yeah. really wild, it was a wild deal. Yeah. It was really cool. And, I, I mean, as many as those you can get is, like, what a track is begging yep. for right yeah yeah because that that was really big so so i'm gonna push you on this one though one championship yep yes they're hard but you have 34 wins dude yeah <laughs> like that's a lot of wins to yeah. only have one championship I so know. so help help us understand like what the heck man like how is that possible i was believe it or not it was like 10 years ago i was one of the worst drivers out there i could win by starting up front i couldn't come from the back like i do now Hmm. And that's a lot to do with equipment and help. Hmm. Um, I always basically had to start in the top five to win a race. So I was never a championship contender, you know. And then all of a sudden, boom, started getting good equipment. Second in points, third in points, then fourth, then second, and then the championship. So, I mean, it's just, I think a lot of it was to do with me because I just wanted to be there. I didn't care when, lose, or draw, you know, and. And a lot of it was the equipment. It's tough, man, because you, you know, that's that's a lot of wins. Yes. So and I still feel like even when you, like, 
When we were racing against you in those other years, it just seemed like you could just win so many races. Yeah. And it was like bad luck and then wins, and it was like, how do you, you know. Like, Thunder isn't your only nickname. Right. <laughs> right. So, yeah. 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 I feel that if I could have raced like I do now back then, what would we have for wins? Hmm. What would I have for championships, hmm. you know? I just, I, I got into with a good bunch. Um, Jason Corliss and um, Todd Birdie. We, Todd brought me in and gave me a garage. And once he gave me his garage, of course, Jason was had part of the garage too. And it seems like once I got in that garage, it just was totally a different person racing. Hmm. I mean, the car was worked on on Tuesday nights, not sitting on the trailer outside in the rain. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, that helped right there a lot. Well, it makes a big difference because I remember back, I don't think I liked you that much at this point, but, <laughs> you know, your car had fallen on you in your driveway. Yes. You would, like, hurt your wrist or something. Did you, like, break your wrist or something? Um, like actually. Bad, something, I remember. Yeah, when it fell on me, I, I, I cracked my sternum. Jeez. I had four broken ribs. I had a huge knot on my head. Yeah. Um, my arm, I mean, I would never wish that on my worst enemy. Mm. That was a bad feeling right there. I was pinned for probably a minute underneath there. It seems like longer, but I got out and I got lucky. Yeah. Really lucky. Yeah. Well, if you don't mind me asking, like, how did it, how did you get unpinned? Like, how did, I don't think I ever asked you because, like I said, we weren't right. as tight as we are right. now. I don't know um, what happened though. So what happened was I I always jacked the car up and put tires underneath my tires. So if it fell or something, it would lay it on the tires. Mm-hmm. Well, I went down, never had a lot of money. I bought, oh, I got four jack stands. So we put on the car on the jack stands. And I grabbed the transmission. I started to put the training in. As I did, the car came, slid off the jack stands. Mm. So as it was sliding, my arm, of course, is up over the exhaust pipe. Mm-hmm holding a transmission so when it came down my arm was wedged against uh, the exhaust pipe in the floor mm-hmm. with the car on top of me and i mean when that thing slid i'm like i'm screwed mm-hmm. i mean i i pretty much thought i was done and i just remember just calming myself down and i twisted my body around and i pulled my arm out with all i had mm. And then I just pushed and pushed and pushed. I ripped my back all up, and but I got out. So I get to my knees. I couldn't breathe. I was like, come on, you know, I'm out now. So I'm, you know, trying to get wind. And finally mm-hmm. I got my senses back. And I walked up to the house. And first thing I did, jumped in the shower to make sure there was no blood anywhere, you know. Because, I mean, I got thumped in the head bad. Mm-hmm. And then I came over here to my friend Alan at Tea Time Driving Range and sat with him for a while before I called the wife because <laughs> I wasn't supposed to be doing this without somebody home. Don't get in trouble, right? Now. Right. So, yeah. And uh, so I'll never forget Wiener, Eric Johnson, came up on – this happened on a Monday night. Tuesday night, they're in my yard putting my transmission stuff in my car. Hmm. And so I'm going to go racing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I got in my car. I turned one lap, and I was in so much pain that I parked the car. Tom Curley came over to me, and he says, what the hell's going on? And he looked at my arm. I mean, it's black, purple. And, the boy, he chewed me a new ass. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
Yeah. Kill yourself at my track. Right. Sounds like you've been trying for a week here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I can see the conversation right now. Yeah. I mean, that was horrible. So I, I laid in bed when I had to sleep at night I with a pillow on my chest. And I never went to the doctors. And so stupidity, you know. But hunting season's coming. I want to shoot my gun. And I'm nervous because if I cough, my chest hurts so bad. Mm. I didn't want to shoot the gun and have something go through a lung or something. You know, just weird things. So I went there, and the doctor says, what the hell happened? And I told him, and he's just, people like you just, you know, that's how they die. They don't go get checked out and stuff. And mm. I just, uh, yeah, when he told me what was wrong with me, it's like, wow. I should have went to the doctors. <laughs> yeah, so stuff still bugs you, though. Like, it reminds you it's there, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah my chest, yeah. Yeah, it still gets me every once in a while. But. Pull the belts tight and hope you don't need them and all yes. that jazz, right? Yeah. 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 But, yeah, yeah it's today, when somebody's working underneath the race car, I see it wiggle just a little bit. Even the jack, I, I grab the car. You know, it's mm. I'll never forget that. It's a, yeah. a bad feeling. I can only imagine. Yeah. Yeah, I can yeah. only imagine. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing that because that would no be, problem. yeah. I mean, those kind of experiences, it, again, maybe it's a cautionary tale for other folks that, hey, man, like this stuff can happen to you too. Yep. Man, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, let's shift gears a little bit sure. to something that could be mildly controversial. And, you know, street stocks, there's a constant push and pull between rear wheel drive and front wheel drive cars and drivers. And we've both been long enough, around long enough to kind of see more front-wheel drive cars kind of coming in to the sport. And so what's your sense of that development? Like, what do you think about that when you think about front-wheel drive and rear-wheel drive? My opinion, if you want to move up the ladder, you should be in a Mustang, a mm-hmm. rear-wheel drive. I mean, it just helps. But I have seen – look at Matt Smith. I mean, he drove a front-wheel drive, and he moved up, and he did well. So, I mean, it's Eric Bedore another decent yeah, example. Pre- Maybe his learning curve was a little longer, but yeah, he ended up being yeah. a heck of a late model driver. So, yeah. 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 I had never driven a front wheel drive, so I, you know. Never? Never. That's not true. You've run Enduros. Oh, Enduros, yes. But, so, that's not a race. I mean, it's different. But once you get stretched out in those Enduros, it, yes. you know, a car drives a lot different. And there's a lot of speed in there. And you need maneuverability. So, how would yeah. you? Because we both double dipped. I think you double dipped one year and then I did the next. Yes. Where when the 50 lap yep. we did the street stocks and jumped in an Enduro like yep. an idiot and did it. Yeah. So, like, how, you know, how you've had experience. Like, maybe it's not the same type of racing per se, but, like, how would you... Does that give you a different perspective on front versus rear wheel drive, or? Yeah, you gotta know what the heck you're doing with those things. <laughs> mm. so they're tricky too. I mean, they I are them too. Yes, yeah. nuts. Yeah, yeah. I I prefer my rear wheel drive. Maybe if I started out on a front wheel drive, things would be different. But yeah, I wouldn't be changing. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. Well, you know that said, like, you know. The, the rules are always getting tweaked around these things. Yes. And the goal always is to have parity. Like, let's make them as equal as we can so the competition, i.e. the product, is as good as it can be. Right. So um, I don't want to get yourself in trouble, but like, and I haven't looked at the rule book, but that tweaking is always happening. Do you feel like it's where, it's, where it needs to be right now for 2021, <clears throat> or are there things you might do differently? What happened right now is... Uh, it made us so equal, and actually, we're better this year because the front wheel drives have been kicking our butt. Hmm. Um, these tires, I mean, and Hoosiers now, right? The Hoosiers, it was the yeah. American racers before that, and yes, was 
good years and good it was years like and towel city retreads and so we had different and, yeah, yeah so we had plenty mm-hmm. but uh when we went to these tires i'll, I'll never forget i i called i went down and looked at them and got them and i told michelle i said you know I said, these things are gonna be wicked uh, they reminded me so much of our Goodyear tires mm-hmm. and he goes well I hope so you know and we put them on and we went tested and I put my 2014 set up into this car with the Goodyears and I tell you we are unbelievable it's the tires these tires you could drive in you would have so much fun with them right now because you could drive in so hard and it, it's it fits me and Wiener as you can see Wiener's doing well mm-hmm. Because uh, we drive in so deep, and those tires hold us up. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's what equal to sell. Before, if we were still on American Racers, the front wheel drives would just be destroying us. Do they? Do these tires fall off a bit? Because I think that was a problem. At least my perspective with the American Racers, they didn't fall off. So, you could just lean on that right front and just smoke it and turn it blue and it didn't really matter it's kind of the same yep. tire and you get the same speeds out of them do they fall off because that seems to be an equalizer too. i have probably 250 something laps on my tires and they're still just as good i'm on the same four that i started with so that's good for keeping costs down yes yep. but i'm struggling to see how that makes it an equalizer for front and rear wheel drive because like i said they, they just lean on that right front and just smoke it up it doesn't really matter because they keep doing it right i think maybe because they're so soft hmm. that on that right front it's giving them too much grip and the car is hmm. not turning for them or hmm. I, like i said i don't know a front wheel drive they're only using three wheels now anyway. absolutely because there's so much grip <laughs> <laughs> the left rear is like a foot <laughs> off the ground oh, i remember goodness. following the 69 or 68 the other night out there that's like He's still got a tag on his left rear tire because <laughs> it's not sticker. touching the track. <laughs> it's still a sticker tire. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. But I, I, I mean, it's just, as you can see, the times, it's the, the, the Mustangs are just up there. You're running tire times. Yeah. It's nuts. Yeah. I and mean, the whole division is yeah. fast. Yeah. Do they say anything about trying to slow you all down? Or? They haven't yet. I it's mean, it's a good product, though. It's, it's track. And it's, it is. It's fun to watch. Yeah. You guys are fun to watch. I went over and told Dean Gallison that I said, uh, thank you for you know these tires you know because mm. they they equal the field out mm. and he goes well i was worried you guys are gonna be really fast he thought we we're gonna be faster than what we are mm. uh, but no it's a good good deal right now it's important i think like because that parity is important so that the product is good but it's also fun for the drivers yes um you know passing lots of cars is fun yep. at the same time like really having to drive and earn it is i think more fun so yes yeah so you mentioned the ladder system a little bit before and you mentioned kind of trying out a tiger and it wasn't really your cup of tea as it right. were been doing this for 25 years so yep. kind of what's your vision for your future what does it look like is it more street stocks you can take another crack at it if i owned a late model would you drive it <laughs> no <laughs> oh. nope. i am 100 percent done at the end of the year this year yes so yeah. you heard it here first unless you've been telling other podcasts yeah i am 100 percent done yeah huh well, yeah. that's um, news. Thirty-four wins. It feels like it's not a round number, right? I mean, like, let's see, Jersey I'm not numbers. Done Walter Payton. Okay, attaboy. I love it. <laughs> love it. So, yeah, you want a nice round number if you're going to be a record holder for a yeah. long time, which you will. My goodness, will you be a long yeah. time record holder? Which is cool. Yeah, yeah. No. Well, what brings you to that conclusion? Well, I have AFib mm. with my heart, and I'm going to go on blood thinners in October, and. 
we shouldn't be racing on blood thinners and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's time. I mean, we bought campers. My wife's put up with me for doing this for so long. It's I can only imagine right. the level of sainthood she must yeah. have. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's time. It's time. Um, I will play once in a while. You know, I don't plan on selling my car. Um, but I will not race a season again, a full season, for a championship or nothing. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's a huge thing to say, and I've heard people say it before, and it's really much harder to do. Yeah. But I always wish the best for you in whatever it is that you you really want to do. Yeah. Um, and I can tell you that the extra time, uh, especially with friends and family, is is very useful. Yeah. Um, and frankly, like I was telling Alan from Tea Time when we were hanging out here at the at the range. Yep. You know, like. Not have it because he's asking me about being kind of semi-retired or not really driving right now. Yeah, said the same thing. Like you know, I, it's a lot more income staying instead of out go. Yep, into a freaking race car. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually it's a lifestyle change. Yeah, it can be pretty dramatic if you want it to be. So yeah, um, what helped me was last year to make this decision a little easier was when I only raced four or five times for Dave last year and the Tiger. Um, I went help JT. Blanchard mm-hmm. on the 66, and I had fun, mm. and so I know I can do it, you yeah. know, it's, and I'll probably go help him, or I'm still going to be at the racetrack, there ain't no doubt about it, but, um, definitely going to, definitely going to, yeah. Well, at least you like knowing you have a career <laughs> and <laughs> hanging out at the track afterwards, because there's a lot of folks that don't necessarily kind of have that avenue or they don't do it you're dave dion say like i don't even like going to the track like, right. I'm, I'm afraid people won't know me or i don't really identify there anymore it doesn't really fit for me and i totally get that like yep. i i was away for a while before i even came back once and it was really because kids asked to right you know rather than i actually missed something that i really wanted to go to certainly yep. the people yeah but um so yeah i feel like if you have a niche where you can still kind of hang out and yeah. be useful. That's what I did, like, hanging out with some folks and helping out a little bit. Like, not too much, right. but, you know, yep. being able to come and, come and go as you please. And yep. uh, there's something to be said for that. Staying connected, right? Right. Yep, most definitely. Well, this brings us to our segment that currently is called Wiener Time. <laughs> so, Wiener Time is brought to you, obviously, by Yates Auto Body, mainly because Wiener... You know, he's almost single-handedly made the Ford Mustang semi-extinct in the Northeast because of how many he's needed more than auto body for. (laughs) Um, But we certainly appreciate Donnie Yates at Yates Auto Body on Route 14 in North Montpelier, Vermont, um, from fixing those pesky fender benders to laying down custom paint on your hot rod. See our friend Donnie Yates at Yates Auto Body and tell him the Crunch Bunch sent you. Um, those who know anything about street stock racing at Thunder Road know William Hennequin, but probably know him better as Wiener, coined Willie the Wiener by Vermont's own Dave Moody, who we've mentioned a couple times already because it's almost impossible right. to talk Thunder Road without talking about Dave Moody. Um, Wiener is, and I bet you agree, Thunder, that he's one of the most exciting drivers that I've ever watched or raced with. <laughs> exciting is kind of like a term of endearment, I suppose, although we've both been plenty mad at him over the years. So, um <laughs> What is your favorite Wiener Hennequin story? <laughs> oh, I got one. Um, Good. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, struggling to get my my car time one night, and uh, so he comes over and he get out of the way. I'll do it. You know how he is. Mm-hmm. So okay. So the, on the back of our timing belt, we have a 
a timing shield, you know, it's so your belt can't flop around and stuff. So it was flopping. So well, I can't do this right. I'm gonna have to have a screwdriver. So he grabs a screwdriver and he's trying to hold that timing cover in place. Couldn't do it with a screwdriver. So what's he do? He puts his finger in there. <laughs> and the end of his finger goes right straight through the timing belt and took the end of his finger off. And oh my god, I couldn't believe it. There was blood all over the inside of my hood, <laughs> all over his face and and he stays there and he's still trying to time my car and I'm like, Wiener, <laughs> you gotta go get that checked. Yep. Jesus so he goes with the ambulance and he comes back and he has gauze and he has a big bandage on his finger and I'm like, Jesus Christ, you know, I feel bad you can't race this. Well I'm racing. I said, are you serious? He jumps in that car, and Jesus, I think he would have won the race if he didn't have a flat tire. He, I remember I could see him driving with his finger straight up as he was trying to go around the track. <laughs> like because of the huge dressing, because he didn't wear gloves either, does he? No, no. So he had and, this big bulky dressing on his finger yeah. sticking straight up on a steering wheel while you yep. can see through the car. <laughs> yeah, so they, they wanted to take him to the hospital, and he says, oh, no, he's had to race. So he goes up to the hospital the next day, and they ended up taking the end of his finger off. So the, just below his fingernail, he don't have a finger there, and that's because my timing belt. <laughs> <laughs> it seems terrible that we're laughing about it, but it's such a wiener story that I'm oh. so ha- I'm so thankful that you were able to tee up. <laughs> no pun intended, since we're at a driving range right now. Um, <laughs> that like <laughs> you could tee up the perfect. Thing like I, you know, it's funny because I remember the bandage, but I don't remember yeah. how it happened. Yeah, that's he how. never used a timing gun either, did he? No, he timed it by ear. By ear. Yeah, yeah. He was, yeah, just trying. Well, to hold most it. people time at a normal like Dump. you know twenty five hundred oh, yeah. RPMs, and he's winding out to like eight grand trying to throw a piston through your hood or yes. his own oh, yeah, yeah. Yep, that's good right there. Lock it down. <laughs> just run it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, man. That's yeah. awesome. I hadn't heard that whole story before. I remember the bandage on his finger. Yep. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's going to be a hard one to beat in this segment called <laughs> Wiener Time. Uh, so we'll end with a couple of quick hitters. Um, some of them are things that we'll steal from other folks. So, like, my, one of my favorite that, that Justin uses on the Uncommon Deeds podcast is, what's the dumbest thing you've ever done in a race car? God, I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of them. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's how I felt when I got asked that same darn question. That's for sure. Oh. Since you're the first one and you have 34 wins, you can pass. We'll go to the next one and come Let's back to it. pass on that one. Attaboy. <laughs> we'll do it. We'll do it. Um, so this one also could be tough for you. That's why they're kind of quick hitters, but I don't know. Um, if you could go back and do one thing differently in your racing career, what would that be? Build a car in a garage and have a garage. Yeah, you mentioned that before, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's cool to hear that, like, that made such a difference. It, like, shifted a gear. It's like, Dave Moody calls me Thunder. I hit second gear, right? Yep. Like, yep. I get a garage to work in, and I feel like this is a real race team. I hit third yep. gear. You know what I mean? Like, you, yep. that's yep. that's cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when you build a car, you get to dodge your snow showers, your, your rain showers and stuff. It, it gets old. Dodge cars falling off freaking jack yeah, stands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just for a safety standpoint, I'm glad you're in the garage. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Thank you. We need to keep Thunder around for a while here. <laughs> we like them. All right. 
I'm going to come back to the dumbest thing you've ever done in a race car. Maybe in a Tiger, driving off three and four in the air. That was just a dumb move I made. I I thought I was Superman and thought we could uh, pass Sean Fleury, of course, on the outside. Pretty who wide. Be, who might be a heck of a race car yes, driver in a Tiger, yeah. right? And uh, that didn't work. And mm. I remember going off three and four and hitting the brakes, and there was no brakes going near in the air. It was like hitting the <laughs> – Been there. That was, that was probably one of the stupidest things I did right there. So did you end up in the foam and the foam I did. in the air just like everything else? Yeah. Jammed that thing in reverse and kept on going. I was dragging, you remember the green apron he had wrapped around oh, it? Yeah. I was dragging that all the way around the track. and To keep the styrofoam from flying 100 <laughs> feet in the air, although yep. we didn't always stop it. Yep. Yep. Well, that leads me to, like, now it's a wall. Like, it's so different. It's awesome. to, I mean, I've barrel rolled off the top of three yes. or four before. Yeah. You know, I've done, you know, we've all bent over that thing for one reason or another. Yep. So you say awesome. I think most people... I don't know. I think it's a flip of a coin. I've yeah. kind of asked around. So yeah. tell me why you think having a wall. I like it. Awesome. It's, it's, it separates the racers. You know, you get mm. the ones that just go to the bottom. And as you can see, the ones that don't mind the outside in the wall can come up through. It's like some nights it's Merry Christmas, you know. It's like the other night from 17th to 4th was all on the outside because nobody wanted to be out there. Mm. You know, and I don't know. I just it's it, the walls never bothered me, but I, I I talked to a couple late model drivers and they hate it. I know one guy that won't even go back there because of the wall. Hmm. So yeah, it's it's definitely different. It is for sure. It is. Well, is there? Uh, this is like the section I want to end on, which is always about gratitude. Like gratitude. Like who do you want to thank for? You know, who's helped you the most in your racing career? My wife, of course. Um, Smart guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, Alan, the guy you met, he uh, he built me one of my first enduro cars. Uh, I've been friends with him for over 30-plus years. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad to have him around, you know. Mm. He's been with me for just about every all the 34 wins in the street. So, yeah, glad to have them around. I feel like um, you've thanked me a bunch of times, so we're going to turn it back to me because I'm very important. <laughs> so you, you can't stop thanking me about the car you're driving right now. So oh. tell me more about that. Which I'm not begging for gratitude. <laughs> the only reason is because there's an awesome wiener story that I want to share that's part of that car, too. Yes, yes. No, it's a, it was an awesome car. I'm glad uh, Bifford didn't buy it because uh, <laughs> it is by far one of the solidest cars I've ever owned. Um, this thing is just amazing. And I think that Atkins is telling the story out there because mm. it's, you know. looks fast. Yeah. looks bad fast. It's yeah. really cool to watch. And, and the problem with everybody else right now is I'm having fun driving it. So they need to watch out. <laughs> watch out. That's right. Well, so some of you might know, but the fact is, is that I went down to North Carolina um, some might know that uh, Kevin Campbell got me started in this kind of racing stuff along with some other folks that pushed me into it, but he really helped with cars. Um, since they moved down to Charlotte, I went. I wanted to get a car with a good chassis to build. So we went down to North Carolina, um, and don't you know that, that Wiener's coming down too? Because we all worked in the same shop at Kevin's shop in Fairfax. And so Wiener had already like procured some kind of 
piece of crap shell that was already stripped or whatever, and he was going down. I'm like, well, I'll go down. I'll find one. I'll, I'll buy one, too, and we'll bring them up. Yep. Well, we go down there. We hang out with Kevin. I think we, we went to a couple races here and there and go-karts, and his son was doing stuff. We hung out for a little bit. Um, really happy to have him put us up. Um, and then it was time to go. So we loaded stuff up. And I, I went first because Wiener wanted to draft me for gas. So you want to save gas. So he was drafting <laughs> behind me. And um, remember when you pulled that Mustang out of my garage, it had a sunroof. But it yes. didn't have a sunroof. Right. It had a hole. It had a hole. It had a hole in it. Well, so I didn't think much about it. We had an open trailer. I got a U-Haul thing. I didn't want to pull my enclosed all the way down there. <laughs> we, we go tearing up the North Carolina interstate at, you know, 80 with him pushing my trailer. <laughs> And I'm looking in the rearview mirror, and that sucker is like, whoa, 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 it's like shuddering a little bit, and it's lifting a little bit. And I see this, like, sunroof start to pull up out of my car <laughs> on the trailer, out of my rearview mirror. And I'm like, oh, my God. But you're like, what are you going to do? Right, right. What are you going to do? Nothing. There isn't much you can do. No. So we're just sending it. And I'm like, that thing's going to come out. And it goes, whew, like, right up in the air. <laughs> and I'm like, that's going through Wiener's windshield. It's going to kill Wiener. This is where we bury Wieners on the, the side of the interstate here in North Carolina. <laughs> and by some grace of something, it goes up. It aims right at his windshield, then promptly gets a side breeze and goes right into the median. Wow. But that thing was aimed right at him yeah. at 80 miles an hour. And I was like, holy cow, did we lift? Nope. nope. Did we slow down to check out what happened? <laughs> nope. nope. We just hightailed it all the way to the front yep. with only stopping for gas, which uh, which was some interesting stops, too. Maybe that'll come up in another wiener story. But um, So that car has a bunch of fun stories, including most of the undercarriage was in the 10 car when I sold it because we had climbed the fence. And they, we stole a lot of parts off yep. that sucker. Yep. But, man, what a solid shell. I'm really oh. excited to see you have it, first of all. Thank you. Because I care about your success and to know that it's working for you and Watch it work for you, yeah. man. That thing sales. Yeah, I love it. I love it, and I love that you're happy about it, and that um, it's a big deal. And I wonder, maybe you know, since you're part time, maybe I could jump back in. You did mention that it might be, it, it's fast, and I would like it. So yeah. I don't yeah. know. You might be too scared to let me do that. But um, so yeah. so to extend gratitude a little bit more. So um, is there anyone else you want to thank? Is there other you know, family, friends, sponsors in particular? Things I actually would like to thank my sponsors. Yeah. Um, they've been with me for a long, long time. Uh, Timmy Stone Trucking, uh, North End Deli. I just picked up a new one this year, which is Two Brothers Recycling. Busted Knuckle, the beverage parent from St. Albans, Ross. Um, the Chimney Sweep guy. Um, Tea Time Driving Range, can't forget them. If you forget Alan, especially because <laughs> we're hanging out here at the driving range, as you can hear the birds chirping in the background, which we didn't pipe in. This is natural bird activity right. in the background. It's an awesome spot. Yep. And, uh, of course, Richard Bell, Land Surveyor. Um, he's been with me for quite a while now, and I appreciate having all these guys with me. Make, make uh, my dreams come true. Yeah. And without them, as you know, like this stuff is so much harder or even yeah. impossible. And so I always want to reserve space around gratitude and thank right. those folks that have gotten us here. Yeah. Um, even if it's just hanging out, you know, having a Coke with my buddy in a, in, in a driving <laughs> range and listening to the birds um, and telling stories. So yes. uh, I appreciate your time. So, hey, well, there you have it. Right. That is the first episode of The Crunch Bunch. Uh, I want to thank Tommy Thundersmith for being our first guest. I wish you the best of luck Thank for you. the remainder of your season, um, especially since you've shared that it's going to be your last one, although that doesn't always stick, but I, I appreciate your reasons. Yep. Um, remember um, our deal when I sold you the current Mustang? I do. 
right. Well, maybe you you can remind me because I, I know what I said. <laughs> uh, a ticket at the banquet if I win the championship. And there was more. Oh, there's more. I don't remember that. You pick up the bar tab. <laughs> oh, yeah. There we go. <laughs> that seems. Yeah. yeah glass, don't walk on water, it. right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. We'll be sipping water all night long. So here's the you win the championship and uh, me getting an open bar tab on your uh, on your account at the banquet. Um, thank you, Tommy Thundersmith, for the, being the the original, the first, um, and the winningest driver in street stocks. And here's to. Um, to the first episode of Crunch Bunch. Thanks for being our guest. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Crunch Bunch podcast, brought to you by Yates Auto Body, powered by Goss Dodge, and produced by Uncommon Media. Follow them on all of the social media platforms. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe. And be sure to comment and even send us direct messages. This is a podcast for the people. Once again, thanks for listening to the Crunch Bunch podcast. See you at the track.